You ever have that moment where you've watched a TV show, maybe you've Netflixed it and you just dove all the way in, and no matter what, you have decided that there is no way possible the world moves in 30-minute sections. I mean, you wish it worked that way. You wish your kid that had problems at school, in 30 minutes time, it was solved, and at the end of it, everybody did that pose, the 80 end of show pose. I mean, we all wish that it happened like that, but we realize it never does, right? Whatever we're doing, there seems to be extra steps we're missing. What if I told you that Scripture gave us the answer? That God had an answer for the problems that you're experiencing, your family's going through, and that all of it was written down in Scripture, and if we just followed it, we could avoid a lot of hurt. I mean, what if really God had a plan for our lives that helped us navigate the problems? I want to tell you, over the next few weeks, we're going to dive into your personal walk, your relationship with your spouse, with kids, with work, with the world, and how God has a prescription for each one of those needs. That God really did make a way that you could keep it together. The problem is this. Most of us have that crazy uncle or that dog that gets in the place where it shouldn't or a kid that made a mistake or a spouse that was a little too clumsy or a workplace that just kind of got out of hand. No matter what, we have that in our lives. And if we're being honest, it, it kind of serves not as much as a comedy in our lives, but more like a tragedy too often. Too often we're experiencing the bad side of things. I often say it like this, it's we're experiencing more CSI than we are keeping it together. In the same way, CSI ends in what, an hour? And they've solved all the problems. In reality, it takes years. You see, we've accustomed ourselves to this fast food mentality of life that is simply untrue. You and I can keep it together, but what if God is really saying to our lives today, but not yet? What if God's really trying to get us to put something else together in our lives to make, I don't know, a more firm foundation for our lives? So today we're going to start with to, to get to a place where we can build on all of our other relationships, we've got to start with a firm base. And so that leads us to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. It says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as is proper for saints. Coarse and foolish talking or crude joking is not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For no one recognizes this. Every sexual immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of the Messiah and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. 
For the fruit of light results in goodness and righteousness and truth, discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made clear, for what makes everything clear is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and the Messiah will shine on you. Pay careful attention then to know how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Everything that we're going to talk about for the next few weeks hinges on this premise. You cannot build upon that which has no base. I want to show you a video. I'm going to talk through it, but look at the screen with me. There's this great competition that happens. Yeah, you're already going, no, no, no. In Catalonia, every year they have a competition. All the people from around the area bring their teams from their community. And they begin to stack one upon the other. Some as tall as six, the tallest ten levels of people. The bottom ground is called the bulk. Those people make up the bulk. They are the foundation. The next level is called the cover. They're the ones that hold the next levels against one another. The falling levels are called handcuffs. They hold on to one another and don't let go. But the very top person is called the rider. You see her here. She wears a helmet for a reason. Because if they fall apart, where do they go? They all crumble down. So if you can see, everyone around them is pushing in. They're pushing in against that level. They're holding the person in front of them firm. And as they build upon one another, they're holding on to their legs. They're holding on to their pants. They're holding on to their shoulders. They're holding against each other. And every level is not standing straight up. They're all leaning. That, doesn't that bother you? Oh, my word. Um, and you can just see the crowd. They're going nuts because the rider has made it to the top. And now they must disassemble. A proper way to be a castellier is to make your pyramid and disassemble it without anyone falling. I don't know about you, but of all the things I could think to sign up for, this isn't it. I, I don't know about y'all. I, I don't get the paper, but if, if the paper says we are taking resumes for people that will climb upon the shoulders of people and stand 10 stories up, I'm not coming. Maybe you would. Maybe you're like, I am so in. I want to be the rider. Let me just tell you how this works. They weigh you when you come to sign up. And if you gain weight, they let go of you or you become the base. So only the lightest. As you go up, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. Until the final assembly person. What they don't show you is this. At this competition... They just disassemble. At some competitions, the rider remains on top of the shoulder in the middle, and they make one solid ladder of people, 
one person on the shoulder of the next person on the next person, and they disassemble and leave them standing. Nope. Nope. Here's the other thing. Who signs their kid up for this? I, I don't remember that being a thing at school. Hey, parents, uh, you can participate in baseball, soccer, or you can let your kid die. But it's awesome. They get a cool orange helmet. Pass. Can you imagine your child climbing up to the top of this thing? You're standing in the, either at the base or maybe you're up the tower. Maybe you're just in the crowd. And you're watching your child with the orange helmet go boop, 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 up to the top. And you're watching the guys down below do this number. We got this! I'm like, whoo! Like, I still don't understand this. We live in a generation of cabling. Put a cable on that kid's back. If they all fall down, the kid just goes. Lower me down, fellas. But no, climb on up, climb on down. If you fall, it's their fault. Here's the thing. If you look this up online, you will see more times than not, they fall. And when they fall, they fall straight down because that's what they're taught to do upon one another. So it sounds good to be the base until it all falls down. And then you're doing this. Gotcha. Pow. Now you need the helmet. Listen, whatever this is, one thing I know for sure, it is absolutely what Ephesians 5 leading into 6 is. Because without a proper base, a proper understanding of who you should be in Christ, the rest of these relationships we're going to talk about don't work. Because Jesus is the foundation for relationships. That's not in your notes, but write it in. That's just a good word. Jesus is the foundation for relationships. If your marriage is struggling, turn to Jesus. If you're struggling with your children, turn to Jesus. If you're struggling at work, turn to Jesus. Because Jesus is the foundation of relationships. He is truth. He, he wrote it down for us here for a reason, because he got it that we would mess this up. There is no reason on the planet that those in Christ should have poor family lives, except for the fact that we have ruined what Jesus intended to be perfect. Like, he gives us the manual for it. Um, I remember growing up, my dad would we'd buy these used cars, and my dad would go buy the manual book for them. Not, not the one that comes in the car, not the you know, this is how you take off a lug nut. I'm talking about the kind that tells you how to pull out a catalytic converter. Only people I've seen them have these would be like the guy you take it to at the shop. But my dad bought this book himself. And he would go, oh, something seems off in the car. I'm going to go buy that book. And we would watch my dad pour over this book and go, hmm, that doesn't seem right. He'd take that out and go, well, that was right. And he'd put it back. And he'd work on it until the cars worked. My dad had that gift of seeing what a manual can do. And so many of us are trying our hardest to make life work and not going back to the manual and are forgetting that God has this put together for us. So let's start together. Let's start at the very beginning. Here's your first thought today. Our connections should look different 
than those who don't have a relationship with Jesus. They should look different. There should be a reason that when you get together with your couple friends outside of your family that they should go, you know, I wish my husband loved me like your husband loves you. Man, I wish that my children acted like your children. Man, I wish that my work ethic looked like your work ethic. What's different about you? Because let's just be honest that there's probably marriages outside of the church that look better than marriages inside the church today. And they're the one group that doesn't have the manual. Like, how do they build on something that they don't understand from the heartbeat of God that created relationships? If God created man and woman, and God created them to come together and become one flesh, and to have children and populate the planet, if God created that and God gave the manual for how to make it happen and make it successful, don't you think that we should use it? Like, it just makes sense. So we inside the church have a job to do, and it's this. First, we have to look in the mirror and say, if our connections don't look like what Scripture calls us to do, God doesn't have to change. We do. We have to make a move. So I want to talk just to you as we go through the Scripture about the keys to making a difference in your connections. The first is this. Starts right off the bat with it. You need to imitate the actions and attributes of God. It says it starts with this word, therefore, chapter 5. It's starting in chapter 4 talking about a relationship with Jesus, how it changes us, how it molds us, how it moves us. And so verse 5 says, because of all that, act like God. Now, it's not saying that we get to go, y'all should move because I'm clearly acting like God. It just means this. What are God's attributes? And if you don't know God's attributes, I encourage you to go back to the manual. Because he tells you who he is and how he acts. How he reacts to things. How he moves. Who he desires to reach out to. And just so you know this, there's very few times in Scripture, and especially in the life of Jesus, that he runs to the wealthy. More often than not, Jesus runs to the broken to the sinner, to the stinky people. He loves those people. Like, Jesus is for people that don't think big of themselves. And why is it that that's our innate move? Like, let's just be honest. Let's, let's all have the gut check moment. There's two doors. And in one door, you don't know which one it is because both doors are shut. Behind one door is your favorite TV star, whoever it is. Like, they're behind that door. They're ready to meet you. On the other door is a person that you've never met. They haven't had a shower in weeks. Uh, they're going to ask you for money. They're, they're not going to be very nice. They're going to be weathered. Which door do you hope you open? The one with your favorite TV star. You know how I know that? Because that's what we would all answer. I, I don't care who you are in the room. We, we all would answer that way. You know why? Because we're drawn to something better than us. Like we definitely want to be around something flashy, fancy, wealthy, 
influencer. And Christ goes, hey, you take that door. I'll take the other. I want to go to the person that has a need, who could use a brother, who could use someone, a friend. Jesus always chose the other door. It's what made his contemporaries absolutely mad. It, it made them absolutely callous to him. Because in their terms, if Jesus really is the Savior of the world, he should be at their place. And when he doesn't show up at their place, instead he shows up at tax collectors, prostitutes, alcoholics, broken people, sick people. When he shows up on their behalf, they're like, this can't be the Messiah. Because look at how good we look and how bad they look. You see, to be an imitator of God is not an easy task, but it's a necessary task. That you and I start to see our world as something of, of a mission. I'll never forget when I was young, I, I heard a pastor preaching, and I, I had really started to dig into my walk, and he said these words, and, and they've stuck over me. I wrote it in the front of my Bible. You are either a missionary or a mission field. But you make that decision every day. You're either a missionary or a mission field. And I, I just remember thinking in my, my mind at the time, I want to be a missionary. Like, I want to be a guy that goes out and tells people about Jesus. Let me just tell you what I didn't want to be, a preacher. That's the last thing on my list. In fact, I made a list. Have you ever made a list for God? Um, I told him, here's the things I'll do. I'll be a missionary. I'll be a worship leader. I'll be a coach. I mean, I'll be anything on the planet except for a preacher. And God goes, ha ha, take this door. And I walked in and he goes, you're the stinky person. I was like, oh, okay, fine. And man, I tell you, I fought that. Can I, can I be honest for a second? Because I, I want to be the kind of guy in my life that I, I lay down in front of you guys from this stage everything that's true about me. So the other day when I asked John to move to the front, I did not want to do that. I love John. He's my friend, accountability partner. But in my office, God told me to ask John to move to the front pew. And I told God, no. It's not going to happen. That's going to be a distraction. People are going to be looking at that. They're going to be listening to the sermon. No one's going to move. John's going to be crushed. I, no, God, that's not going to happen. And so I came to worship. And during worship, God's like, here's what you're going to do. I was like, la, 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 la. I will sing of your love forever, but not ask John to move forward. I will sing. You know what I'm saying? I was ready to do everything outside of that because in my mind, I saw it going a different way. And I got up to walk up front, and this is no joke. I'm arguing with God during the bumper video. God, I love you. I trust you. Ask me something else. And I got up here, and this is no joke, with no intention of asking John to come forward. What's going to happen? Opened my notes, got my Bible ready, turned around, and it went blah. I, I pro I, it wasn't like I was like, here's what's going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I was sitting here, I was standing here going, stop talking? It just came out. So John moves there, and I'm like, oh, man. Okay. 
here we go anyway, Lord. You got your way. And I'm preaching, and I see people move to pray, and I'm like, oh, okay. All right, Lord, but, you know, no one's going to come forward to be saved because that's just never going to happen because I've been in church my whole life. People don't get saved in the middle of a sermon, and I was blah, 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 and I'm like, more people. Okay. And then John does something. Pastor Kyle, and I'm like, here it goes, Lord. I told you. See? John goes, this young lady asked Christ into her heart. And I was like, <sighs> okay, Lord. And I come back, I'm like, thank you, Lord. That's, that's awesome. I'm trying to get back into my sermon, and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. And I keep going, I see someone else walk forward, and I'm like, really? And I, I finish preaching and come down and another one. Because here's the thing, to be an imitator of God doesn't mean we have to have it together. Because God can use our mouths, even when we're disobedient, even when we don't want to do it. And I want you to know something. I, I'm not going to stand up here and be like, man, I just had this God movement moment where I listened to the Lord and John moved and I was like, super pastor! Like that's, that was my Oprah Winfrey, by the way. Anyways, uh, that, that didn't happen. What really happened is God humbled me completely in front of y'all, and y'all didn't see it that way. But where I stood was that little kid that told God I wasn't going to be a pastor. And God just said, let me show you what I can do. I believe that God wants to show up in your life so much that as a Christian, our prayer should be this. God, help me to be obedient even when I won't be. And, and here's the thing. God is going to use you, and you're going to be thankful for it. Because you've been used by a world time in and time out, and, and there's no thanksgiving in it. People have used you. They have abused you. They have used you up and pushed you out the door. This happens all the time in our, in our culture and our society. But God is not that kind of person. God is a God that uses us. And in the midst of that, blesses us, even when we don't get it. And so I got to tell you, to be an imitator of God, sometimes means you got to show up and let God do everything. And he will. Time in and time out. Here's the next thing. Not only should we imitate the actions and attributes of God, but we should let our reflection be marked by love. Let your reflection be marked by love. When you look in the mirror, you should see yourself as a love Pez dispenser. Just like this. You need some love? There you go. You know what I'm saying? Just, there you go. That's for y'all over there. Pez it out. Throw love away like confetti. Can I just tell you, I despise glitter. I didn't know if y'all knew this. Don't be sending me glitter. It's not going to work. I, I despise it. It is absolutely an infection of a decoration. You know, you know how I know? I live in a household with a girl, and I don't wear glitter. I've got two women in my household. And instinctively, when I go to bed at night, I'll look in the mirror and go, what's shiny on my face? And go, glitter. From where? Can y'all test it? Some of you dads of girls, y'all know what I'm talking. Amen, Mike. Thank you so much, brother. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Glitter is taking over our world. 
Look around. Look in the carpets. We can vacuum, and three minutes later, glitter grows back up. It's a weed. It's what happens. Everywhere you go, if there's glitter in any— I tell you, walk the children's wing for two seconds. It's in the air. You just walk through, and it's like glitter. That's how love should be. And that's how in faith people should see the church is a place where love is thrown around like glitter. It's all over us. It's all over them. It's messy. It's everywhere. And you can't even get it away because it's everywhere. But isn't that something that people don't mark us as love? I mean, if, if you were to go out and ask 30 people outside the church, what do you think about people that go to church? They wouldn't say, man, they just love people. But isn't that exactly what God said they would know us by? By our love? And how many times in Scripture it asks us to love one another, to love each other, to be passionate in love, to love deeply? If we are going to be imitators of God, all of a sudden love flows like glitter. And you spread it everywhere. Because that's who God is. The next Keep away from actions that don't possess inheritance. I want to go to that scripture right quick because it talks about this. It, it starts to say, but, but you should avoid these things. Sexual immorality, any impurity, greed shouldn't even be heard from among you because it's improper. The proper thing is for saints to not be involved in any of this. He, he, he's like giving us this warning. And verse 5 says this, For no one recognizes every sexual, immoral, impure, greedy person who is an idolater, doesn't have an inheritance. Here's what this doesn't mean. I want to caution this moment. Because some of you see this and you're like, oh, I think I've been there. So I don't have any inheritance. Here's what it says, idolaters. People that make this their God have no inheritance with God. But here's the thing. All those things don't possess inheritance. So why should we practice them? Why should it even be a part of our lifestyle? If those things don't possess God's breath in it, don't breathe it in. Avoid it. Make it a priority of your life that you're not going to participate. When these things pop up, you say no. I think that the role of a Christian is to say, when things show up that I know are against God's heart, they won't be in my life. It's hard. It's difficult. But I can promise you, you never drive down roads that are closed. You don't. You only drive down roads that are open. You know how I know this? Right now on Sansi, they have a whole lane coned off. And if you haven't driven down Sansi, this is a testimony. Go drive there today. This will prove true to you. When people get in that second lane that's coned off, they take you off. They just do. Am I, am I sharing truth? Like, y'all can be honest with me, Right? Because you know, that, that's coned off. So what are they going to do? They're going to cut you off. And so you're driving, and if you're like me, the holy pastor of Quell Creek, you pull about this close to the guy in front of you. And you just look at him and you do this. No. Mm-mm. And they pull over and you're like, Mm-mm, no. And you pull a little bit closer to him and go, see, I can do that too. Jesus loves you. Then you don't even give them the look, right? Then it's just focused. That person pulls forward, you instantly pull forward. You're like, see, told you. It's not going to happen. Get behind me. See, some of y'all need to walk the aisle today. Y'all are with me. 
I've already walked the aisle. I'm up here. Y'all should join me. Anyways, um, but that's us. But why is it in our lives that we don't cone off those, those areas that we know are under repair and we don't need to go down? We leave them wide open for our families. We leave them wide open for us. And then when we find ourselves driving down that road that leads to ruin, we go, Lord, how did I get here? He goes, you moved the stupid cones. Like, you're an idiot. But I love you. So I forgive you. Get back in the right lane. Because God is a God who does this. He's in that left lane and he sees you come in that lane and he goes, oh man. Here comes Kyle again and he sees me and I go, oh, what? It's coned off. Can I get over? And he goes, come on. I mean, you're an idiot, but come on, you know. <laughs> he lets us over. He gives us space. And here's what else happens. He lets you that was behind me get over to you. You know why? He's so full of love. He's so full of riches that he wants to give them away. And he's looking at us driving in these broken down lanes, and he's just like, you don't get it. You're missing the joy of being in the right lane. Like, wake up. So here's what you need to do. You need to go make a list of those things that you know in your life have led you down the wrong road. And in prayer, say, God, I'm coning this one off. No more. Tell someone about it. I promise you, I believe there's two things every Christian should do with their personal walk. One, invest in Jesus. Two, invest in people that know your story. Let them know your real story, not your, well, I've been struggling. And if you would just, I'm not going to mention it, but if you just mention me in private prayer, I'd appreciate it. Listen, go, hey, I'm struggling with this sin, and it's killing me, and I need someone that can show up in my life, and when that sin's up, and it's about to happen, I can call and say, hey, I'm going down the wrong lane. And the guy goes, I, I'm on the cone crew. I'll be right there. Coning it up. And they go, wrong way. Keep, go ahead. Move over. Excuse me. This guy's coming the right way. We need that. We need that community in our life. And so as we go through the scripture, not only do we need to have the attributes of God, not only do we need to be marked by love, but we need to be pursuing those things of inheritance. And here's the next. Stay focused on things that matter. He tells us that. Look at the light. Don't fall into those things, but stay on the clear path. Focus on things that matter in Christ. The next, seek wisdom in your spiritual steps. Seek it. God will give it. God loves giving out wisdom. I promise you, if you pray for it, he's going to grant that. You know why? Because wisdom leads you back to him. I've discovered wisdom doesn't make us wise for our own gain. Wisdom makes us wise, so we point our lives back to Jesus. We start to remind ourselves that it isn't really about how good we can be, but how great he already is. And so wisdom in your spiritual steps. The next, avoid anything that would want to lead your life outside of Jesus. Everything in this world is going to call for the lordship of your heart, even your family. They're going to call you away. And it's, it's not like they sit up at night and go, hmm, Kyle needs a different Lord than Jesus. So I'm going to take over. No one says that. The enemy says that. And he's going to use your family for that. He's going to use your work for that. He's going to use influences for that. He's going to use TV, Facebook, social media, your email. He's going to use the wind. He's going to use sporting events. He's going to use anything he possibly can to take the lordship away from Jesus. But here's the thing. He can't. 
When you are Jesus's, you're his. Now, you may face some really big things because you act like a fool and drive in that wrong lane. But you can't ever leave the Lord because he'll never leave you. Amen. He can't forsake you. He, you are his. And he cherishes you. I, I have this dog, the super Hank. Hank is a great dog. We love him. But he digs in my backyard. I've told you all this before. But Hank grew out of that, we thought. The other day, the boy and I go out to mow the yard, and we turn the corner, and we see Hank's newest conquest of digging. It's like little minefields of, of holes. I mean, holes that I could step in up to here. Super Hank knows how to dig. And you know what I love that dumb dog? But he is a dumb dog sometimes. And I, I brought him in the backyard after we finished mowing. And I said, Hank, what is this? And he goes, whoa, 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 bro. I didn't know we were doing this right now. Um, are we good? I'm like, what is this hole? And he's like, um, uh, can I go somewhere else? It's a big yard. Where can I go? Where can I go? And so I said, come here. He goes, no, uh-uh. Tail tucked, ears down. I'm like, whoa, this dude is hot. I said, come here, buddy. Come here. He's like, Nope. Because as dumb as I think Hank is, he's not. Because in that moment of engagement, he's like, I can tell that uh, you need some time. <laughs> and because I love you, uh, I'm going to give you space. Heal. And then we'll talk. So I went inside and I sat down and I told April, that dumb dog is digging holes again. And she's like, well, I mean, she loves Hank. I own Hank. She loves Hank. She's like, I mean, he's a dog. I mean, we can put him up in a kennel for a while and until he gets used to not digging, and we can fill the holes. I mean, she's making sense. I'm mad. I'm like, well, you don't understand. I'm the one that has to fix the holes. I mean, Hank's just going to sit there. It's like I should grab his paws and go, you pour that dirt in there. Right? That's not how it works. God is so compassionate over our lives that while the enemy uses those holes for us to trip through and over, he comes to Jesus and he says, do you see the holes that Kyle is digging? And Jesus goes, what holes? You mean that one I filled already? Or this one I've already filled? I mean, who are you pointing at? That kid over there, he's mine. And you know what? You may see the holes, but as far as it goes, you can fall in there because I'm not going to let him. He's mine. We have to avoid the things that want the Lordship. And the last is this. We need to worship in the Holy Spirit, dependence. We need to full focus toward Jesus in thankfulness and in submission to him. Here's why that's important. If you will not submit to Jesus, none of your relationships will work. If you can't learn to give Jesus everything, you will give your other relationships nothing. I mean, these next few passages we're going to go through are difficult. They may seem easy in page, but when we really dive into them, they're not easy. In fact, they're, they're hard. But... When we give Jesus our everything, the higher we build, 
the lighter it gets. All the relationships on top of Jesus work. They're solid. They hold together. And the beauty of it is this. Jesus can deconstruct it and build it back up. Deconstruct it and build it back up perfectly. But we have to start with him. So I want to encourage you to do something this week. In your Bible reading, in your journaling, in your time with your family, spend time in Ephesians chapter 5. And especially at that last part, verses 19 through 21, and just ask yourself the question, am I doing this? Am I actively pursuing this? Is Jesus leading my life? And if so, what's my response back to him? I encourage you to do this because it is the foundation for where we're going to go over the next few weeks. So let me ask you the question. How's your building going? Is that base firm in Jesus? Have you been building up on him? Or are you trying to do this yourself? Because I can promise you it will crumble. It has no other choice. We have to base our lives in Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. Today is the day that you give him your everything. You let him lead your life. And you start right now. You know the number one time to start a relationship with Jesus is in that moment? Not to wait. Because we're not given the next moments. But now is your moment. So don't put off anymore. Say right now is my moment to give my life to Jesus. Right now. Because I promise you, he will change your life. You want to be an imitator of God? You have to know Jesus. So if you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you want someone that would lead your life towards healing of your relationships and point you towards a relationship with him, today is your day to know Jesus. I'll be down here in a minute with some other brothers. We're going to be down up here up front to pray with you, to go through the next steps with you. Maybe you would like to come and pray at the front or right where you are. We'll be singing a worship song. I invite you. I mean, the end of this passage talks about worshiping the Lord. Worship the Lord. But now, no matter what you do, don't just wait and do nothing. Start something now. Because now is the proper time to do it. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, that you would speak over our lives, God, that you would start to build us up in our relationships the right way. God, we need you desperately. So God, would you move in this place? God, would you speak over our lives? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So now's your chance. Why don't you stand with us? We're going to be singing a song. Now's your time. The time is now. Don't waste your nows. You come right now as we sing.